We're going to be, I think it's on your bulletin, in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. If you're following along in those church Bibles, which, by the way, you can have if you need a Bible. It's a, it's a good translation. It's easier to read than, say, maybe like King James. And uh, you, want, you want to be able to understand the Bible when you read the Bible. <laughs> That's helpful. Um, but we're going to be on page 943, which is, or if you're looking it up on your phone or your own Bible, whatever, it's John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. That's page 943. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are the one who speaks to us. You're the one who changes us. You're the one who encourages us when we're down. Like the psalmist says, you are like a shield around us. You're our glory. You're the one who lifts up our head when our heads are down because we messed up again or because life is beating us up again and we had nothing to do with it or because we just feel overwhelmed, you're the one who lifts up our head. And if we're depressed, if we're struggling, if we're feeling um, like not sure why we're even here tonight, Lord, give us something. Give us something tonight to encourage us to work in our hearts. Lord, I pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. New year, new you, right? No. Everybody in this room is old enough to know the BS that new year, new year, new you is, right? Because we've done it. We've been there. We've been there. We like, you know, we, we climb over. Nothing magically changes about us when we move from, what is it, December 31st to January 1st. I, I remember somebody telling me, you know, we were about to go overseas to Africa. And we have in this mindset, like, if you go over and you're in Michigan in Africa, like, you need to be, like, super committed, right? Like, and, and maybe you'll have, like, you'll be out there, and you're, you're, you're testing your faith, and, and like, God's going to show up in some powerful way. And I remember somebody telling me with, that was older and wiser, <laughs> said, you know what? You get on that airplane, and you get out on the other side. You know what? The, everything's going to change, but you know what's not going to change? You go with you. <laughs> like, you're still the same messed up, insecure, <laughs> struggler, skeptical, doubting person that you were when you were on this side and you get on the plane. New year doesn't give us new hope. New year doesn't make you new. But you know what? We're going to talk tonight about a new you. We're going to talk from God's word what it looks like to have new life in you, new spiritual life working in you. That's a real thing that God talks about throughout the Word, not just in the New Testament. We're going to see that too. But God promised from long ago that there would be a time when He was going to work in His people and give them a new heart 
and pour his spirit out in them, that he would live in them and they would have a new power to live for him. And we're going to talk about that. It's called the new birth. And it's the first of a series that we're in in January called Starting Over. It's the beginning of the new year. That is one true gracious thing about marking our lives by days and weeks, months and years. Start over. Yeah, you haven't changed. But every single day you get another chance to start over. And we want to talk in this series, in this month. What does it look like? Is it even possible to get back into religion? Maybe you never were. Maybe you were, and you kind of walked back, and you're just wondering, what does this even look like, really? What does it really look like to start over again with this whole church thing? What does it mean to be a part of a church? What does it mean to be baptized? We're going to talk about that next week. What does it mean to take communion? What does it mean to be generous? What does it mean to take care of each other and actually be a part of a church community and walk the life of faith? in Jesus, like in real life, not just like on paper. What does it look like? And one of the things we are doing to help you with that, if you saw it online, we have this thing called the the yearly examine. And what it is, is a hugely personal, in-depth, Tiffany did it, it's like exhaustive, (laughs) right? It's like, it's like, how are you doing physically, emotionally, spiritually? Like, how are you doing? And if you want to do that, if, if, it's, 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 it's kind of useless to just make a bunch of resolutions when you don't know yourself. You don't know what, how you tick, why you're doing the same thing over and over again. You're like, you don't know that your car's broken, and that's why when you go in the parking lot and it's icy out, you just do donuts over and over again, <laughs> right? You're like, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? Something like that, which is an in-depth examine, where you examine yourself, can help you start to get to know yourself a little bit, but even that isn't going to change you. <laughs> it's a tool, and we want to come alongside you, and, and we want to look at what you write down if if you'd be open to do that, if you'd be vulnerable and, and have you come, you know, we got men's prayer breakfast, women's prayer breakfast sometimes. We got um, just friendships. You don't even have to like go to a thing. You just can work on this, you know, give it to us. We'll, we'll reach out to you and we can just really help you and look at that. So that's an invitation to everybody. Right on the back table, there are copies of that. It's also online. Um, I'm not going to tell you it's easy to look and ask all those questions of yourself, but I I, I can tell you it's worth it. It's worth taking a really close look at yourself. You need to know, really, how bad the situation is. (laughs) Like, you don't want to go to the mechanic that's constantly doing the cheap fix that just gets you for another week, right? And then it breaks down like completely catastrophically because they didn't really get to the heart of the issue. So you want to dig down deep. And we're just trying to provide a a tool for that. Um, But new year, new year, can we start over? 
building a, a deep foundation, when you, when you build something beautiful, when you, you know, like they were, uh, you heard me say this before, you know that, uh, that Royal Farms that they're building on 130, it's done, right? It just needs to, they just need to fill it with inventory, hire people, it's going to open soon. But you remember how long it took where they were just d- digging down. <laughs> they got to build the foundation. Because if they just, they just pop that, that baby up on the dirt, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> ain't going to last, right? <laughs> Foundation's going to crack, like sides are going to come down. It, it's not going to work. And, and some of us, we're able to admit when we're honest with ourselves, like, like that's how we entered into a marriage. That's how we entered into like being parents. That's how we entered into like some major parts of my life. You know, um, that's how I entered into like buying huge things. I mean, I've done that, <laughs> where you didn't, like, start on the right <laughs> foundation, and then you pay for it, and it's rough and ugly. We, we tend to, but, but I want to ask you, as we get into this starting over, some of this, like, super basic question, I want to ask you, can you get back into religion? And the thing that I want to ask you out of that is, and suggest to you is maybe maybe we got it all wrong. You know, we tend to put people into two different categories, good or bad. Or nice and decent people and trashy, messed up, broken people. And we and we we as bad as we may be, whatever's going on in our lives, we are able to say, yeah, but <laughs> right? We're able to say, yeah, I've got my problems, but I'm not like them. And, you know, 2,000 years ago, the, the Jewish people had the same issue. They would call themselves the sons of light. And they had this habit of being taken over by everyone. Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Greek, Greece, the Romans, Right? But throughout all of that, they remain distinct. And it's difficult for us to understand how bad, really, the nations were. So, like, when we think about idolatry, we think about all that stuff, sometimes, like, images of, like, the TV show Charmed comes up. You know, we think of a bunch of women, like, like sitting around, doing a Ouija board or whatever, and there being some light. You think of Doctor Strange, you know, whatever. You think of... Some, some weird stuff where people tap into power, and guess what? You can tap into power, and there's no cost to it. It's just awesome and cool and fun, and it can be harmless as long as you use it for good. But when we open up the history books, and we look at the nations that surrounded the ancient Jews, we understand why they called themselves the sons of light. <laughs> we think about the ancient Assyrians who would have a furnace behind their, their idol, the god Molech, and they would put their children, place them on the stone arms of the idol, which would burn in their children to a crisp as a sacrifice. Greece. You know, just, just, just a couple hundred years before Jesus shows up, they come in, they take a pig into the altar, sacrifice it 
taking the most unclean animal to the Jews, right? And just to, just to show them, like, we are in charge. You're nothing. And, and so we have to have some respect, like, why they thought this. But at the same time, we need to realize how they thought. So the men would go into the synagogue, and they would beat the chest. And they would say, oh, thank you, God. This is an actual prayer, right? I thank you that I wasn't born a woman. I thank you that I wasn't born a Gentile. You know, Gentiles, anyone that wasn't Jewish. So throughout all human history, we've cut people. We've cut the deck, good and bad. And there's a pecking order between good and bad. Let me tell you a quick story. Now, I'm not going to say who it was or when it was or where it happened, and the reason is going to be pretty obvious right away. So I know this guy, and he's got this legitimate business. And he's on social media, on live, you know, live streaming. And uh, some people start threatening him. They start threatening his children. <laughs> you know what he does? He takes, the, he takes his phone, and he's, he, 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 he says, I live at XYZ address. And then he takes the camera and he rolls it over his semi-automatic weapon sitting on the bed. Come. Yeah, come now. Let me ask you a question. You hear that story. That's the only thing you know about this person. Is that, some, is that someone who could possibly be a Christian? But what you don't know is that this person was one of the most notorious dealers and enforcers in their community, terrorizing people and through a process of being on the run and then in jail, met a pastor and came to Christ. And their lives completely turned upside down they still had a whole lot of baggage. And if you poke the bear hard enough, right, <laughs> the bear comes out. <laughs> and the Bible talks about the old man, the old nature, the old you, and it's still there. And what I'm trying to say is, while we split the deck and we think of two categories, decent, nice, people that like we want to be around and then trash and you know indecent people that we don't want to be around the bible is like it speaks into that will you listen to it we're, we're gonna look at john chapter 3 verses 1 to 8 verse 1 says there was a man from the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. First off, we see that he's a Pharisee. What is a Pharisee? Pharisee was a member of like this conservative group of Jews, and there were two powerful groups of Jews. There were the Sadducees, and there were the Pharisees. And the Sadducees were friendly with the ruling people, and, and, and they, they were minimalists. Like, they're like, yeah, we take like the essential things, like the least amount of books of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, we're like, eh, it's not 
doesn't carry the same weight. And what they would say is, you know what, when you die, you die. There's no resurrection. And they basically kind of mixed together the way the Greeks thought with Jewish thought. So they're trying to make peace, and they're trying to be modern 2,000 years ago. I mean, the Pharisees were like the, you know, the, the, the type of people that would have, you know, the, the rebel flag, the stars and bars in the back of the pickup with the, with the deer, you know, painted on the side of the pickup. And they'd be driving down in the small little town in the south that they'd have on the back of their bumper would say, the south will rise again. That would be the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the opposite of the compromising moderate Sadducees. The Pharisees were like, guess what? All of it's true. We're going to, all of it's true. Everything God said is true. And though we've been captive and beat up by all these different foreign nations, God says he's going to bring his people back one day. And the resurrection is going to happen, and he's going to send a Messiah. He's going to send someone who's going to save our people. And, and they would say, the south is going to rise again. Israel's going to rise again. And they would stick to it. Let's continue on. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you do unless God were with you. And if you've been with us um, through the series of Acts, you know what a sign is. A sign points to some greater reality. Signs would mean miracles. People who were sick would be made well. The blind could see. Starving people who walked days' journeys out in the wilderness to hear Jesus preach would be miraculously fed. These were signs. And Nicodemus comes, who is a Pharisee and a man of power. It says he's a ruler, but he comes at night. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think he came at night? Why wouldn't you want to be seen with Jesus? Yeah, and he's a Pharisee, and he's supposed to have all the answers. And this Jesus guy is threatening. He's, he's both threatening and compelling. And, and as I go around, and I, I talk to people on a like, continual, regular basis, I can tell you right now, as I'm talking to people, I've talked to people this week, Jesus is still both threatening and compelling. One thing he's not, it's, it's not like, oh, you're telling me about this Jesus thing, whatever. No. It's like, I want to plug my ears. This is freaking me out. Stop. <laughs> or it's like, I'm drawn to this. Tell me more. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. <laughs> I've been there. Where I'm like, like, I don't know. This church is like too much. But at the same time, I want more. I, I, I don't know. Jesus replied, Truly I say to you, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that, that's, that's the verse that we want to focus on. Verse 4 says, How can anyone be born when he's old? This is what Nicodemus asks him. 
Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now, you've heard this phrase, born again. I'm sure you live in America, you heard it. You know what I mean? But we sanitize it and we spiritualize it. But for Nicodemus, this is jarring. This this is the first time anyone has heard this, ever. And Jesus is saying, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is understandably saying, how am I going to crawl back into my mom <laughs> and be born? Like, this just is, this is, this is weird. <laughs> Jesus answers, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whoever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Now, you might read this, and there may be a very small number of you who read this and picked this up, where it says, born of the Spirit and of water. And you're like, what does that mean? And that's a great kind of question, like to get to the, all the range of meanings and all the different possible interpretations of that. We could go into that if this were a Bible study. But I'm going to just share with you the most obvious thing that it is. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a ruler, someone who would have grown up since he was a little baby, knowing his Bible, knowing the story, knowing it so well, as well as some of you know what the story arc of every year of Grey's Anatomy and how some of you know the story arc of every year of whatever show you love, they would have grown up knowing the stories and the scriptures because it was their story. And that's right. That's the right way to look at it. It's our story too. But they would have known these words from Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. It says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle you clean, clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so what do we see here in this promise, this new covenant promise? We see water cleansing and the spirit pouring out. And Jesus is saying here, you got to be baptized, you got to be cleansed, and you need a new spirit. And of course, the water is also symbolizing what baptism is going to be, where baptism is going to be this mark of discipleship, this mark of you're entering into God's family, and you're saying, I need to be washed. I need to be cleansed. But you know what? You need more than that. Yeah, you've got this record that you build up to this point in your life. Now, I talk to the people all the time, and you, you know this, like, Sometimes all the things we've done in our lives, we're just surrounded by all the noise in media and among our friends and all this stuff, where it's just like, that's just how it is. Things are wild, whatever. Accept, accept yourself. Accept who you are. 
But what happens is when you come closer and closer to being exposed to God, you're like, like you start to cast a shadow the way you cast a shadow when you're standing outside and it's 3 o'clock and the sun's right there beating down on you. And you start to see like, oh yeah, my life's a wreck. I need to be washed. I said a bunch of things I shouldn't have said. I've done a bunch of things I shouldn't have done. I need to be washed. But washing wouldn't have been enough because you need a new life. You need a new spirit in you. It's not enough to just clear all the debt. It's not enough just to start over. You need God to come and live in you so that you have these new desires and you want to do stuff you never wanted to do before and you can't explain it. If you look at the reflection, it's on the page five where the, where the sermon is and we can take notes and stuff. At the bottom, there's this quote by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's this great preacher. I couldn't recommend enough. If you go online, YouTube, whatever, you can hear his sermons. But he says this. He says, when saints sin, now saints, saints, and we've done this before, but saints in the New Testament didn't mean what it has come to mean now to many people, where saints have become this idea of like examples and heroes of the faith, right? And guess what? I'm into that kind of saint, <laughs> capital saint. I'm into you need like heroes that you imitate. I'm into, yeah, there, there's like this sense of like there's these people who are, you know, larger than life and we need them, they, they help us. <laughs> and they, they lay down, they trailblaze, right? But in the New Testament, this idea of saints is sent ones. And it's every single person who's in Jesus. It's every single person who's like, I believe in Jesus as a part of the church. You are called clean now. You are called a saint now. In that sense, we believe that. Like if you are someone who's united to Jesus, you're a saint. You're a sinner too. You're a sinner and you're a saint. But Martin Lloyd-Jones says, when saints sin, they know they're not sinning against the law, but against love. See, one way to know, like, am I born again? Have I been born of God? Because that's what Jesus says has to happen if you're going to see God. When you mess up, are you just afraid of the consequences? Are you just afraid of the shame that will come? Are you just afraid of the losses you'll take? See, every sane person we know knows the danger of sin. But we also know a whole lot of people that aren't sane. And we probably have not been sane <laughs> moments of our lives, some of us longer moments than others. Let's be real, right? And we, 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 like, we know what it is to not, be, to not know the danger of sin, to just be like, if I want something, I take it. If I want to do this, I do it. And I don't care what the consequences are. But, but that's not, has nothing to do with what it means to be born again. That, that's good. You should know the danger of sin. You should know that if you continually live like a selfish jerk, your life's going to be hard and full of obstacles. But... Do you know the evil of sin? 
not just the danger of it. Do you know the evil of it? Do you know that when you don't trust God at midnight, when you go out and you reach out for something that doesn't belong to you, you reach out for something to satisfy your needs, whether it be pornography, whether it be I'm just going to let myself rip in to my spouse and tear them to pieces because it'll feel good, whether it be I'm going to go and just drink myself into oblivion, whatever it would be for you. Do you know that it's not just that's dangerous and that's going to wreck your life, but also the God who made you is grieved because he wants more for you than that. He wants real happiness for you. Can you even believe that real happiness is possible? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's possible. And I'm not, I'm not saying like it's all the time, uninterrupted throughout all of life. That's not what I'm talking about. But real happiness is possible right now. And you find it in a clean conscience. Being united to Jesus and knowing that you're walking with him. And integrity, not perfectly, not never messing up, but when you mess up, you repent. You say, I'm sorry, and you get back on the path. What does this mean? This, this last few verses, let's read them. It's, he says, He says in seven, do not be amazed that I told you you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, listen. What's up with this picture of the wind? One thing about the wind that we know is that, like, as humans, we cannot control it. Not only can you not know, like, where is this coming from? Because it just swirls around, you know? Not only as I get from the human perspective, and you're just standing out there, you like you get a sense like, okay, the wind's coming, but it's, it's moving around. Like, how is this all happening? You, you don't know where it's coming from, where it's going, but you also, you can't control it. And I, I remember, I remember um, there's this evangelist who said, you know, I have this Holy Spirit gun, machine gun. And I can put the Holy Spirit machine gun down, and I can just shoot, boom, 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 like this. And when I go in your direction, you fall over and convulse, and you're the, you catch the Spirit. Now, do not misinterpret what I'm saying, because we believe, like Jesus, right before, on the night he was arrested, they came to arrest him, and... You know, they said, Who's, which one is Jesus? And there's all these, you know, hicks from Galilee, you know, all these people from the northern hills. And, and Jesus is like, I am. And they fall over, boom. <laughs> so we believe, like, when you meet with God, it's possible to be overwhelmed by him. It's possible to have a dramatic experience of him, not making fun of that. But what I'm saying is, it is absolutely ridiculous that someone thinks they can control 
the Spirit and manipulate it and say, I got this gun and I'm just going to do, 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 right? And you fall over, you fall over, you fall over. The, the Holy Spirit is not like that. We, I had this, um, I remember c- coming to hear this Indian evangelist. He planted thousands of churches. He had nine attempts on his life. They have this vision called Vision 2025 where they want to plant 30,000 churches in Uttar Pradesh where less than 1% of a half a, million, half a billion people, like the size of America is in one state in India with less than 1% who follow Jesus. And they're like, we're going to plant 30,000 churches. And they're well on their way of doing it, by the way which is incredible. But he talked about, you know, when I go out and, and, and go on the nature hike, you know what? I can't summon the panther. I can't say like, okay, it's time for me to see the panther now. And like, I'm just going to be like, the panther's here. And I summon the panther. I like blow the whistle. There is no like blow the whistle for the Holy Spirit. There's clues. God cannot resist a broken spirit and a contrite heart. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of things we can do, but what I'm saying, but it's not like a panther. He's not like a dog that we can summon with a whistle. Looks like, uh, are we flowing? We're flowing? Water? Oh, okay. All right. Let's soldier through. Walk down the block. <laughs> we got the hookup. We got the hookup with the bathroom <laughs> around the corner if you badly need it. Yeah, if you badly need it. Um, yeah, someone's got to edit all of that out of the sermon when we put it online. But <laughs> this is not going to make sense. So anyway, to, in closing, yeah. Like, like if you are walking around in the jungle in India, if you see a leopard, it's amazing. He's the king of the jungle in India. God is the king of the universe. You can't make an appointment with him, but he shows up when he wants to. He shows up when, it's like the wind. We believe here very, very strongly that it is pointless for us to try to manipulate people, scare them with like, this end time, this is happening, this is happening. You know what? We present them with the word of God and the truth. But I'm not going to corner you, beat you up, shame you, dog you, endlessly call you. You know why? Because Jesus says here, people being born of the Spirit, it's like the wind. God works how he wants. He's like the panther. He's the king. He shows up in power when he wants. So if you have loved ones, in your life that you want to see grow in the knowledge of God, right? And grow in the Spirit and all that. What you have to do is, you have to realize, first of all, you can't move the dial. You know what? You can't move the dial on your own life. You, you can't move the dial. There's a sense in which you can't make any progress without God. Any meaningful spiritual progress. The Spirit blows where it will. So you gotta fall before God and say, Lord, give me faith. Lord, 
I want to be born again from you. Pray to him. Pray for your family. Pray for people you love. Pray for yourself. God loves to hear you pray. And if you are praying, and if what I'm saying has any kind of traction in your soul, guess what? You don't get to take credit for that. God is working in you right now. If you're like, this sounds good, I want to pray, guess what? God is at work in you. Be encouraged. If this is something you want, the only reason you want that is because God has been working in you. Let me finish with this familiar to some. Maybe we were like a kid, you sung it or you, you memorized it. Um, maybe saw it on some Hallmark greeting card. <laughs> this is from Galatians 5.22. This is what it looks like when you really have the Spirit of God in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. For the Spirit is love. It's not, oh, to be born again is agree to this list of things. Change your political party. <laughs> be a part of this certain tribe that likes a certain type of music. I don't care about any of that. I'm not dogging it. I'm saying, according to the word of God, being born again is not something you can do. It's something that happens to you. It's a miracle of God. And you can see it happening if you see all of a sudden, I love people and I love God. And you might be provoked to do stupid, criminal things still. You might still have a raggedy life. <laughs> but guess what? There's a part of you, a new part of you, that wants to please God that didn't before. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for tonight, Lord, for your, this opportunity to gather together and just be together, share a meal together. Lord, Lord we pray that uh, the water would come on soon. We pray that our meal would be blessed to us. Our evening would be blessed. That people would be able to get home safe, even though it's dark, cold, and icy. Lord, be with us this week. And help us to take that great exam. Help us to look at ourselves, look at our whole lives, look at the whole picture, and ask ourselves real questions. Like, have I experienced real life, or am I playing? Am I joking? with my? Am I kidding myself? Is this real? And if... If we, at the end of the day, are frightened that maybe we're not real, Lord, give us the grace to bend our knee and ask you to come into our lives. And if anybody wants to do that right now, Lord, I pray that they would come talk to us, come talk to me tonight, come talk to me in the days to come. I pray, Father, that they would be able to pray in their heart and simply just, God, come into my life. God, change my life. God, I don't want to do this alone anymore. Your word says, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. 
Lord, I need to start again. I need a new life. Amen. Amen.